Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Man, I invite you to remain standing. Sorry, just as you were starting to bend your knees, I want to go ahead and get this word out. We are uh, going to be standing in honor of reading God's word together. And if you're new, uh, I just want to welcome you. My name is Brant, service pastor here, and so honored that you chose to join us. This is a special day of us all being able to gather together from two different services. And so just glad that you are here. The reason we stand is just we acknowledge, as we just sang, that Jesus is the king. And if you have any familiarity with any kingdom, when a king comes into the presence of his people, the people respond by standing. There's this show of respect. And so as we come to God's word, that's what we're doing. We're just standing, we're acknowledging Jesus' authority and the fact that he's king over us. And we want to hear what he has to say to us. And so to invite you, if you would like to join along with me, our passage this morning is in Isaiah 32. Once again, we've been here the last few weeks. We'll be specifically reading verses 15 through 17. Until the spirit from on high is poured out on us, then the desert will become an orchard and the orchard will seem like a forest. Then justice will inhabit the wilderness and righteousness will dwell in the orchard. The result of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quiet confidence forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I am so glad that you all are uh, here this morning. Isn't it good to be all together in one service? Amen. Love it. Unreal just to worship Jesus and to to be all together in one place. Uh, We've been going through a sermon series for the past few weeks uh, called Fight to Flourish. And uh, we've talked about the fact that flourishing, uh, the word flourish is a word that in many ways is reflected in the Hebrew word shalom. And we've considered the fact that when we hear the word shalom, it's often interpreted peace, and that's a good interpretation, but in some ways it's lacking the real meaning of wholeness and fullness at every level. And so I've shared with you this image that we have on the screen of what this, this is God's design for his creation. It's his design for us as his people that we experience this complete shalom. And it's this flourishing in our relationship with God, in our relationship with ourself, in our relationship with creation, and in our relationship with one another. And that is what we see at the very beginning of the scripture in the Garden of Eden. We see this perfect shalom, this wholeness at every level. And yet very quickly, we see the fall. We see the entrance of sin and what we've described as the shattering of shalom or the vandalism of this shalom, this wholeness that God has designed. And we see it around us, right? We think about all of the news, uh, even this morning in Memphis and all that's happening there. We think about the, the reality around the world of warfare and just brokenness and destruction, all of these things that we see around us, 
we recognize that, that this picture does not reflect the way that things are. This is not the way that, that God intended the world and he intended for us as his creatures to live. And so we, we acknowledge that and, and yet we recognize that God does not give up on his plan. There is still hope. To those who, who feel hopeless or they feel like, man, everything's just going downhill, we say, no, God is not giving up on his plan. He still has purposes and he still has this ultimate plan of restoring this shalom. But there's a reality that we have to consider, which is that because of sin, because of the rejection of God's good design for us as his creatures, we have the entrance into the creation of what the Bible refers to as the world. And this is a, a term that's important for us to understand because the world is not what God created. God created the earth. And yet what humanity created through sin is the world. And the way of the world, or rather, so the way of creation, what God initially created is this. The way of creation is the way of receiving and giving. Receiving from God and then going and giving out of what God has given us to others, to creation, uh, ultimately back to him. The way of the world is the way of taking and keeping. This is the way of death. And as I've been giving this example of how this plays out in various levels, I've talked about breathing. And so on everybody, just right now, take a big breath in. Now hold it. Now breathe out. Okay. So in that, we receive... And then ultimately we release or we, we give back out. Now last week I shared with you that when we breathe, uh, many have written about the fact that we actually make the name of God in Hebrew, Yahweh, Yahweh. We're actually pronouncing God's name as we do that. And uh, Chris Hoffman, one of our members here, leaned over to his his buddy Dustin Marcelino last week when I was sharing that, and he said, well, I guess then when we sneeze, we say Yeshua. <laughs> so either, maybe so, maybe God's built that in. And so Yahweh and Yeshua, you know, who, who knows? But there is in this pattern, there's this acknowledgement at, at every level that we breathe in and we breathe out. And, and this happens at, at the level of water. And so we talked about the fact that that rivers and rainfall go into a body of water, but then it goes back out. The only body of water that doesn't operate like this is, is what body of water? The Dead Sea. And I think it's incredible that God put this one body of water in Israel. And we see this picture of when you reject God's design, when water only comes in and doesn't go out, it creates death. And that's the way of death. And that's the way of taking and keeping. And we see this in the scriptures. Eve takes the fruit rather than receiving from God. And she keeps it. And this is the entrance of death. And we continue through the Old Testament. See the examples. When people don't trust God and do not patiently wait to receive from him, but instead take for themselves death at every level, destruction of shalom ensues. And the same point, when... When we simply take 
and we're not in this life pattern of receiving and giving, there's death that we will experience. An example just recently is the new 7-Eleven that opened over uh, kind of by my house across from Publix. How many of you all have been to the new 7-Eleven? Anybody? Okay. All right. So I don't know if you're like me. I got a bunch of coupons for free food. So my family and I have gotten to enjoy a good amount of food at the expense of 7-Eleven. If their business continues like that, and all of you simply take your coupons like I have done and get food for free, how long is that 7-Eleven going to be there? Right? Not long. That's how the world works. When people are only taking and not in this pattern of, of giving back, right, of contributing, there's death. And that happens in relationships. If you're in a marriage and one of the spouses is only taking and never giving, what's going to happen to the life of that marriage? This is how things play out. There is just a way in which God has created life to flourish. And there is a way in which when we reject that, we experience death and destruction. And that's the way of the world. What the world does is simply takes. And the people of God are always defined as those who are, instead of taking and keeping, those who are in this process of receiving and giving. God called Abraham out from among the world, and he called him to be the beginning of a people who would go and would bless the rest of the world. Rather than than going and taking, they were to be those who go and they're blessing, they're giving to creation. And Israel was designed by God to stand out because they are people who are who are giving, who are blessing, this, this outflowing of, of life that comes from God. But the problem is they continue to fail to do this. They continue to fail to depend on God and to look to God to receive and then therefore to to release his image and his likeness to the world. And in the pattern of our study through Isaiah 32, these past four weeks, we've been diving in. This is our last week to be in Isaiah 32. But as we've been diving in through this text, we've seen a picture of when, when God ultimately calls for his people to follow a righteous king and under that righteous king for justice and protection and to security to be provided when Israel rejects that and instead his leaders instead of providing and giving that security when they begin to take from the needy and take from those under their care there is destruction and death and Isaiah visualizes this naturally with these thorns and these thistles, which are pictures back to Genesis of the curse of desert and this this imagery that we have of death in all of these ways. And that's the way that things have played out because of Israel's rejection to be this picture of life-giving that God designed. And yet, while things were not looking good, while there was injustice and unrighteousness, Rather than God's design, we see the promise that we looked at this morning, that one day the spirit from on high will be poured out. And in all of these images and experiences of death and lacking and taking in these various ways, life and flourishing will be provided. Ultimately, this promise of when the spirit would be poured out, that 
that life would be brought out of death is fulfilled. And, and by the way, Isaiah 32 is not the only passage that promises this pouring out of the spirit. We see this consistently uh, throughout the, the prophets. And what the New Testament does, what the book of Acts specifically does, is it takes these promises, these prophecies of this great outpouring of the spirit, of bringing life out of death, and it points us to what happens in Acts chapter 2, which is the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost is a Hebrew festival. It's also called the festival, the Feast of Weeks. It's, it's a... It's a first fruits harvest is, is a piece of it because it's the grain harvesting, which is the first element of all of the harvests. And yet God call it's also the giving of the law, the giving on Sinai. And so we see that the early church, these followers of Jesus are gathered together in Acts chapter two in one room. So just like us, we're all, you know, we're all here in this one room, in this one space and the spirit of God is poured out. And we see that just as the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of uh, Pentecost was a first fruit. So now in this room with the church gathered, they are now the first fruits of a new humanity. Just as the spirit of God was breathed out on creation at the beginning. Now the spirit and the wind is breathed out in this new creation of people. And, And here's what I want us to see. The church is to be the first fruits of a whole new kind of humanity. A, a group of people that represent the future. Uh, Augustine writes about this in the city of God. We're to be the city of the future that exists right now in the present. That amongst the world in the way of taking and keeping that we see around us, the way of destruction and death, we are to be this people who are, who are receiving from God and are giving back. We're to be these people who are filled by the Spirit a whole new kind of humanity, the first of what will come. And this is what this promise of gathering, a harvest not of wheat, but a harvest of people, is what Peter is doing when he's preaching in Acts 2. In verse 40 we read, With many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So, Think about what is it that they're being saved from? When we think about the term salvation, there's a lot that's implied there. But what is Peter saying they're being saved from? Corrupt generation, which is really the world, right? The way the world works. They're being saved from that system, this way of death. And they're being brought into this new kind of humanity, this new people. So those who accepted his message were baptized, just like we celebrated this morning. That's the, that's the way of entrance into this new humanity, this new creation people. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And so this is this, is this first fruits. This, this new people brought out of the world and into this, this new creation people. And... Acts goes on to describe what this looks like, what it is the first fruits of this new humanity looks like. In verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property 
and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You see this picture. What were they doing with what they had? They were sharing. They were giving, right, to use. So they acknowledged that everything that they had was from who? Was from God. They had received it from God. And because of that, because they were living in that reality, they were able to share and to give this picture of life. And guess what? This kind of community, this life-giving, sharing community stood out to the world. And what was happening to the people around them who were watching the way that they were living? They wanted in, right? It's like this oasis in the desert. When there's water and you're, you're thirsting to death, people want to be part of that. They want to be brought in. And this is what was happening as this way of life was being demonstrated among the world, the way of death. This is shalom. This picture we see in Acts 2. And by the way, just to be clear, it gets difficult. If you keep reading in Acts, problems start because people are involved, right? This isn't the full new creation in, entirely. It gets difficult. And, and specifically in Acts, what happened when it really kind of goes off the rails is when people stop what? They stop sharing, they stop giving, and they start taking and keeping. And that's when God gets involved and things really again, go off the rails because they, they were, they're, they're once again, refusing God's design for life. And, and so corruption comes in, but, but this is Shalom, right? This for just a moment, this is this new Eden kind of picture of people in fullness and wholeness and peace with one another and with God and creation. And it's good. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus because He doesn't want to give up on this vision. He believes that churches, these gatherings of people, by the way, that's an important aspect. The the word ecclesia is not about a building. It's about what? People. It's these gathering of people. And that's something specific because the the people, right, are the heart of what it means to be this this church, this, this gathering, these who are gathered together. And so Paul writes to them, he says, therefore, I, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Why do you have to have patience? (laughs) Because people are involved. It's difficult. Bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Does this say to form or to start the unity of the spirit? No, it's the spirit the pouring out of the spirit that gives this unity, yet we are called to keep it, to maintain it through the bond of peace, shalom. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. And then he, I'm gonna jump down to verse 15 where he picks it up again. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for the building up 
for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. And so out of this passage, as we've looked at Acts 2, and then we see this call in in Ephesians, I want us to see what it is that unites this new creation people, the body of Christ, together. First, we have one Father. That's what Paul says. That there is the one God and Father of us all. And so what does that make us to one another? We're brothers and sisters. We're united together in this family with our, with our father who adopted us through Christ. So we have one father. Secondly, we are one body. Now, whose body is that, according to Paul? Christ's, right? There's one head. There's one head of the church, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church, and yet we are the body, And what does that make us to one another? Well, we're members. We're all given different gifts. Uh, You know, how many of you all spend a lot of time thinking about your little toe? How many of you all have stubbed your little toe? (laughs) Suddenly you're very aware of this part of your body. You realize, okay, we all need each other. And this is the way we're, we're put together as the body of Christ. Connected with one another. One spirit and the way that the New Testament describes this is, is a temple of living stones. That we're to be this, these living stones united together as this spiritual temple filled by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. And that's, that's the relationship, right? That we're, we're, we're united together by the Spirit. And then one purpose. Every part, every aspect of this has one purpose, and that is for every part. So what's excluded there? Nothing, right? Every part. And, and so let's translate every person. So as you look around this room, every person growing like Christ. No one left behind. This is the calling that we're given. This, this unity around this one purpose, which is all of us growing into the image of Christ. Now for this to happen, if, if this is the purpose that God has for us, as his church, hear this, we don't just need information, we need formation. Because guess what? We are prone to selfishness. We are prone to sin. We're prone to deception. And we, we need that formed out of us. We need that corrected and we need Christ-likeness formed. And, and so the way that we see this is American Westerners is very individualistic. Because we see everything in a very individualistic way. And so we think, well, I have my personal relationship with Christ. And what I need is for, like, if I'm here today, the reason I'm here is just to kind of get some information that will help me grow in my personal relationship with Christ. That's not what we see in the scriptures. What we see in the scriptures instead is that we need one another, that Jesus is represented to us through his body, which is the people around us. And, and in order to grow more like Christ, I need other people. I need you. And, and this is where we move from these philosophical, theoretical, invisible realities that we like to think about, like the church, to real bodies. Guess what? So this church has a specific calling to help who? Grow more like Jesus. 
these people, <laughs> right? Like this is not hypothetical. This is real people with real bodies and real names and real personalities and real annoyances and all of the other, right? That's where we have to move in order to, to see what Christ has for us from these hypothetical, theoretical whatevers to these real people that God has given us. And we have to receive one another as the gift of God. <laughs> right? You ever have your kids get gifts like, you know, socks or something? And, you know, their aunt's like, aren't you excited? And you're like, yeah, thank you. You're trying to, like, encourage them. Receive the gift, right? There's this reality. We are to receive one another as this gift that God has given us. And we need each other. And so here's where we're going to move into the vision aspect for 2023. And again, if you're here as a guest, this is a very unusual Sunday. We do this once a year where we really focus in on our vision for the year ahead. And so that's what we're going to be doing. But I want us to think about the fact that in order for us to accomplish the mission that our King has given us as his people, we have to be connected with the real people, the real bodies, the real personalities, the real names around us. And we need real relationships with one another. And so that is at the core what our vision is. Because one of the things that was, we've been praying about this as a staff and talking through this, one of the cultural realities that has taken place is for many, 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 many people in America, church has become something that you watch on a screen. And here's the deal. I'm thankful for technology. We put our, our videos out there. A lot of people who visit our church have watched our services online beforehand. And so we're thankful for that. We're thankful for any way that God gets the gospel out. And yet there's a reality that what we see in the New Testament cannot be experienced through a screen. And I'm going to bring it to the next level. I don't believe it can fully be experienced through just sitting in a seat. I believe that it requires real relationships with real people who Jesus has really put us alongside in his body. And so our focus as we, our mission as a church is reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. And underneath that, we share these aspects of this life of true freedom. And every year, our staff spends time praying through, okay, which of these aspects of life and true freedom is God calling us to really lean into this year? And we landed on life with connection. Life with connection, uh, which is who am I linking arms with as we grow in true freedom? That's the question, this life with Connection, specifically out of this life with connection, we want as a church to develop this culture of connection with one another. Um, we, we want to consider the fact that, that there is, there is work that has to be done to develop this connection. Now, the first time in scripture that we see that something is not good, I'm going to do a little Bible trivia here in Genesis, Everything's good. God creates it. It's good. It's good. The first time we see something's not good, what is it? For man to be alone, right? God's designed us to be social and relational. That's, that's at the core. And we see culturally 
the fact that when we reject our design, it doesn't go well. Uh, Cigna is um, a uh, global health service company. They have done a massive nationwide survey of more than 20,000 people. So that's a lot of people in their survey. And consider this. They found that over 40% of Americans, so that's almost half of Americans, feel that their relationships are not meaningful and that they are isolated from one another. Think about that. Almost half of Americans, according to this study, don't feel like they have meaningful relationships and feel isolated from one another. That's, that's a problem. Uh, generation, Gen Z, which is 18 through 24, is way worse than other generations. And also, their health problems are way worse generationally. They're experiencing what's been called crowded loneliness, right? Through social media and technology and otherwise. There's connections, but not real relationships. And guess what? It doesn't work when we reject this design that God has for us. A 2019 study led by the American Cancer Society studied over 580,000 adults and they found that social isolation, hear this, social isolation increases the risk of premature death from every cause. Think about that. There's one factor in social isolation increases your risk of death in every cause. John Ortberg uh, is a pastor who wrote about some of the findings of this study uh, because it found that bad health habits like smoking and poor eating and obesity or alcohol use, but strong social ties. So people who have these bad behaviors at some level, uh, health habits, but strong social ties live significantly longer than people who have great health habits but are isolated. And so he says, in other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with friends than to eat broccoli alone. I love that. And, and that's science, by the way. This is, <laughs> this is not just some punchline, right? Actual science. Robert Putnam, social researcher, said the single most common finding from a half century's research, and by the way, Harvard just released their new study of this. It's the most massive study that's been done on the correlates of life satisfaction, not only in the United States, but around the world, is that happiness is best predicted by the breadth and depth of one's social connections. I mean, everything is telling us that actually what the Bible says is true. Is that surprising? Now, so as we consider these realities, again, we're not just, this is not just a program for wellness. I want to be clear about that. This is not just about happiness, although that is a big part of it. Ultimately, it's about holiness, about growing more like Christ. But I think that that all of these elements are connected in what God desires for us. So how do we develop this culture, not of isolation and individualism that we see and the, the loneliness that comes out of that, but how do we actually develop a culture of connection? Well, we're going to focus on three things this year. First, connecting people in worship and fellowship. And so this is a fifth Sunday, uh, and we are all gathering together, and we want to do this every fifth Sunday and possibly more often of having all of our people gathered together in one service, and hopefully there's connection opportunities that come from that. We're also looking at events. We already have a ladies' event planned. We're looking at uh, having a men's event. But how can we work to organize opportunities for us to worship and to fellowship together? Uh, Secondly, connecting people in groups. Connecting people in groups, and there are all kinds of groups. 
what this represents. We have our community groups, and we're going to really lean into that. Of We have a, a really low percentage of our adults that are involved in community groups, and so we really want to lean into growing that in D groups, uh, which are same gender, smaller groups, uh, in Celebrate Recovery. So uh, Tony Navis Jones leads Celebrate Recovery, and we have step studies that they're going through, and, and possibly new groups. Um, but we want to increase the number of people who are connected in, in some kind of group at Fairview. And then third, connecting people with the next generation. So we want to, and I'm going to give a little bit more data on this, but we want to see the connections be between generations. To see these intergenerational relationships that are massively important. So if our responsibility, our purpose as a church is to see everyone growing more like Jesus, that includes the little people, <laughs> right? That includes, I mean, I mean, one of the most exciting days for me recently was I got to baptize my middle son, John Martin, and there were four other boys that I was able to baptize that day who were about the same age as John Martin. And that was, man, it's just so exciting. Man, what can God do? And, and, and I want us as a church to lean in. Last week we baptized kids. This week we baptized more kids. Like God's working in, the, in our kids. And he is inviting us into this opportunity of helping them grow more like Jesus. And guess what? That helps us too, right? It all works together. And so I want us to, to lean into that. Specifically, our vision, because what can we measure? We want to see our vision for 2023 is to see 500 people commit to life with connection. And this is raised dramatically. Initially, we had 300, which would do a little work for us, and then we almost doubled that. Because we're like, we got a set of vision that we really are going to have to depend on God for and lean into this. And so, and so there's a lot that's coming. But I want you to consider, so as you, as you think through, now let me do this. I want to, I want to just really quickly go through some slides when it comes to the next generation. Cause one of the needs, there's, there's a need that we have to help people connect adults connect in relationships through community groups. And that's a big push. We're going to work on that and D groups and, and step studies. But we have a need as a church, just being frank with you all, the biggest bleeding aspect of our church of, in terms of need is our family ministry and particularly our kids ministry. Because guess what? There's a lot of people in the room who have come fairly recently with young kids. We're, we're growing in a, in a large percent with these young families and our numbers have been through the roof in our kids ministry. And we thank God for that, but we're having to grow our classes and we're going to need to continue expanding our classes. So we have a significant need for people who will invest. And by the way, you don't have to be a teacher. There's a lot of jobs you can do just being a helper in the class with our kids um, and, or, or our students. But, but these are opportunities and, and it makes one relationship has such a profound in, uh, impact. And Barna is a study data research group. I want to go through just a few slides that they've shown. They've done this study on what actually makes an impact in a kid's life. And just one loving, caring adult in the life of a kid within the local church makes a massive uh, difference. Uh, so first of all, two in five children in children's ministry have a meaning relationship with adult. Is that a good percentage? Two and five. No, it's less than half. That's, that's not good. And so the, the data is going to show more about how 
problematic that is. Children who have a meaningful relationship with an adult at church, and often this is through leaders or, or serving in their group, are more likely to be rooted in scripture. And there's, and there's a slide that shows all of this. So the green line on the top is a child who has at least one meaningful relationship with an adult, integrates biblical principles into their lives, a 64 versus 24% studies the Bible on their own. 64 versus 20% understands crucial principles from the Bible. 62 versus 21 understands the big picture of the gospel. 61 to 23 memorizes Bible verses and creeds. 58 to 21. And so it makes a massive difference, right? You see the difference. And these are all church kids. All of these are kids who are in churches, connected to a church. But that relationship is massively impactful. Next, kids are also seeing to be grounded in children's ministry in the life of the church. They're, they're connected relationally. And um, I'll tell you what, we're going to put these out there. I'll share these slides with you instead of going through all the, it makes a massive difference, right? In ch- church matters to my child. My child looks forward to church. Uh, my child learns things about faith in church that I can't teach them. These relationships, not just parental. Um, and, but then the next component, jump to the next one. Understanding and facilitating intergenerational relationships can be a worthwhile investment in the future of the church. And that may be it. Um, there's more data, but that, so we'll share that. But, but here's what I want you to see. God has designed this where, where, again, this is not just going to a place or like downloading information. It's about people. And when kids have real relationships with real adults who are not their, ki- their parents, it has a massive impact on your life. How many of you all can remember an adult who made an impact significantly on your life when you were a kid? Okay. You could tell me their name. And guess what? All of this data, when you go up to five relationships, I mean, it just skyrockets. It's massive. And there's a book called Resilient uh, that's come out of this. And so here's what I want to, on all of these levels, I just want to land the plane. You have a, you should have received a card like this when you came in the door, next steps card. And what I want you to do is to consider what your next step might be. Maybe you're, you know, you, you haven't connected with the church and you, or you, you, you've never even become a follower of Jesus. And that's the step. Uh, maybe you'd like to take the step of obedience, of baptism, of identifying with Jesus and his people, uh, you know, become part of our, our membership process or, or join a community group or serve in a ministry. So there, those cards are with you. And we're just going to ask you to leave them under your chair when you leave this morning and, and just leave them there. We'll get them. But we would love to help you take your next step, whatever that is, to being involved in this life with connection. I'm going to invite Lydia to come up. So a big piece of this puzzle is Lydia McMillan. And so some of you all know this. I have, I've, I say often, I would be in jail if it weren't for my wife, Jill. Because I am, I am so disorganized and forget things and all kinds of realities. And, and God has given different gifts to different people in the church. And so we knew as we're laying this out, like we need the manpower to be able to do this. And, and Lydia has been a, a, a gift from God and someone who has this organizational administrative abilities to help us actually put legs. Cause I can stand here and say words, but to actually put legs to this process. And so I want you all to, to get to know Lydia a little bit this morning. So Lydia, just tell us a little about your family. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. hi everyone. My name's Lydia. Um, I am married to Joshua McMillan and we have three kiddos. 
Finn or Phineas, Ezra and Elsie. So yeah, we've been going here at, earlier in the year, last year, 2022 is when we kind of first got plugged in. I was able to jump right into kids ministry and kind of help with Camp Fairview. So I know a lot of your littles, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about kind of your upbringing background. Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad eventually became a pastor. Um, and so I just have a heart and a love and a passion for the church. I came, became a Christian at a young age, um, and I felt like I was maybe called into something creative, but I also felt like I've been gifted this like gift of administration. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what you want to do with this or where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to be obedient in the call. And wherever you have me and whatever you have planned for me, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do that. And so just being obedient in every aspect of life. So what's some of your ministry opportunities? Yeah, so I graduated with a degree in theater. My parents were really proud. They were like, <laughs> what are you going to do with this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just being obedient. I'm, I'm very introverted. So, so you love being up here. Right, yes. Yeah. This is my favorite thing, mm. though. Um, so that's kind of helped me be in front of people, be able to communicate. Um, and through that, I got a job at Lifeway and I worked with them for over 10 years. And so with them, I was doing a lot of project management. I was also writing scripts. I was helping produce for events and camps, which was a lot of fun. And I also helped them start um, a new platform called Ministry Grid with training. And so I was going through all of these trainings in the back end and helping them produce all of this content, but sitting through a lot of training, a lot of leadership training, a lot of discipleship training, and really learning what it looks like in the inner workings of really setting up a really strong church and helping God's people really be educated and help each other find connections, which I think was just a powerful experience. Absolutely. So, I mean, we talked about this. Basically, the training was very much tied to this role. Right. So when you, why this role, what was it that motivated you to be interested in this position? Yeah. Well, um, I was working in a job. It was really great. Um, it, it kind of answered the call as far as some of the things that I felt like I was equipped to do, but I felt like the Lord had something else in mind. And so I was just praying through that. This job came open and I was like, what an awesome way to find people relationships, be able to connect those people in my own church. And so because of just how the Lord worked and moved in the background in my life, I was like, this is where I need to be. And I love Fairview. We have loved being here. My kids love being here. We have loved being able to serve, but what better way than to find the connective tissue between all of us as we're coming together, not only to serve Fairview church, but the Lord and Mm -hmm. his big C church and further the kingdom for his glory. So what's it been like? You're what, like a month in? Yeah, I know how to order paper and answer the phone. <laughs> so if you call, you get you get me. That's important. Yes, yes. A lot of conversations with the staff. I mean, the staff is incredible. And I'm so grateful of just how they have helped me along. They're like, this is where the things are. This is what we do. Um, but also having those really rich conversations of like, okay, what's next? What's going to be in the next 90 days? What's going to be in the next six months? What's going to be in the next year? Maybe five, ten. 15 years of Fairview and where do we really want to come from that so sitting through this and just hearing the vision of like the impact that we are going to make 
not only inside but outside these walls is so powerful. So I'm excited to come alongside because I can't do it by myself. It's not, I am not the answer. But us coming together and working together as a united front will not only make us stronger, but will also make an impact for, for Lebanon and honestly, I believe, for the world. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lydia. Thank Can you. we thank Lydia? Just express how thankful we are to have her on the team. It's been tremendous, and I really just see God's provision. And so I'm so thankful for that and, and the Lord's kindness. And so, and so we're going to conclude. Again, this is a little different uh, service this morning, but we're going to, for the sake of time, we know we got kiddos and everybody in the room, and so we're going to conclude uh, this morning. But I do have one order of business, uh, which is a new family and so we, one of the things that we do at Fairview is if we're member, if you're a member of Fairview Church, we vote to approve new members. And so, uh, just would invite you, if you are a member, to vote on, uh, Philip and Mary Girton, uh, have come forward for membership. And so, if you approve receiving them in membership, would you just raise your hand in support of that? And any opposed as well? And there are none. Awesome. Well, we're so excited uh, for the Gartons to be here. And so, yeah, they're right here. You guys want to stand up and I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. We love them. So thankful for them and, and their opportunities. Again, if you're interested in connecting with membership, we have a Discover Fairview class and a Discover You uh, class as well about getting connected in ministry. We're going to conclude our time with our benediction. And so... Uh, but I'll tell you what, we actually have an announcement afterwards. So just stay in your seat, announcement video, and we'll do the benediction and you can watch the announcement video. And after that, you will be dismissed. Will you join me? Number six, 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.